Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. The Reds struggled to bounce back in style following their defeat to Real Madrid last week as they toiled to a nil-nil draw with Crystal Palace over the weekend. With Darwin Nunez now facing a period on the sidelines, Klopp will now look to refresh his attacking options as Liverpool begin an important week. Before a resurgent Manchester United arrive at Anfield this weekend, on today's pod we'll be looking ahead to the midweek clash with now familiar opponents Wolverhampton Wanderers. Joining me on the pod to discuss the recent best-of-four series between the clubs and the progress Wolves are making under Lopetegui, I'm happy to welcome back Richard Hobbs from the Wolves Fancast channel. Welcome back, Rich. Hi, great to uh, great to speak with you again. Yeah, we were just chatting before the pod started there that it's... um. It's, well, it feels like Groundhog Day for us, uh, and it's it must feel that way for the for the coaches and the players. Uh, it's a rare situation. Yes, sometimes you might play a team like a, a few more times a season than you're expecting to, but to have it be so clustered together in what is what four this will be the fourth game against uh, Wolves in probably about six to eight weeks or something like that. So it's um, really clustered together tightly. It feels slightly strange. It's so it's like, the best of four, best of five series. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, isn't it? You say it almost feels like a test match. Um, the yeah. amount of times we're playing each other, we say like a, a World Series or whatever. And yeah, it's, I, I know I've seen it previously with Wolves a couple of times where we've had a, you, know, you get it, especially if it's FA Cup, yeah. playing a league game a few days, a few weeks afterwards. Sometimes you play the same opponent in quite succession, but to play the same opponent four times in the space of your first two months of a candy year, that feels unheard of. And, you know, I think from, a, I guess, a Wolves perspective, um, you know, three games that we played against Liverpool were, you know, were tight and interesting affairs. So, you know, ho- hopefully Wednesday night's game lifts up to the, uh, to the billing as well. Yeah, I was going to say if 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 we were to treat it like a sort of the World Series um, and actually go back and have a look at each of those games, you're right. The, the FA Cup game at Anfield uh, was a lively game, actually quite an entertaining one. But I felt as though Wolves sort of grabbed control of that game when they made some changes in 
in midfield in the second half and actually were quite unlucky. I think that there was no real good reason to rule out that goal at um, at Anfield. And so actually Liverpool were unlucky not to lose that one. And then there was the 1-0 uh, away win for Liverpool in the second leg of that FA Cup game, with Elliot scoring that um, long-range long goal. But again, it was a very sort of stubborn, sort of like gritty defensive performance from a much-changed team on that day. And then, of course, uh, when we returned uh, to Molyneux, we lost 3-0 uh, pretty comfortably uh, in what was... I mean, the, the word Nadir has been used quite a few times uh, this season by Liverpool fans, and unfortunately, every single time we've used it, some, there's been another result that seems to have pushed it uh, further. And I think probably the Real Madrid 5-2. Uh, yes, it's Real Madrid, but yeah, conceding five consecutive goals after going 2-0 up, uh, that that might be that might be the Nadir now. But again, who knows? We've got the fourth the fourth in this four, uh, best of uh, four series against Wolves on the uh, on the. Uh, that's uh, sort of midweek to, to look forward to. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, like that 3 0 win um, at home against Liverpool, what did you make of that game? And like, were there things that surprised you about how easy that win actually turned out to be in the end? Yeah, it was almost a, it was almost like a difficult result to process because I think it was somewhat similar in a way to the first FA Cup game that Liverpool really just weren't at the races in that opening 15-20 minutes and we, we punished Liverpool in that in that FA Cup game Gredis you know pinching the ball off um, Allison, and you know I looked at that goal in kind of two ways yes it was sloppy by Allison, but we haven't seen Wolves players press in that way um, most of the season up until Loftagis and you know actually it was positive to see Wolves do that and actually capitalise on it and I don't know when it when it came to that league game. I think the atmosphere at Molyneux really helped. I think it's uh, it's not been a great place for Wolves to play a lot of this season. And you know, I wouldn't use the word toxic or anything, but it's been very little to cheer about for you know best part of twelve months of the ground. And you know, it felt like the players were really up to it from the mo- you know from kickoff. Same with the fans. And are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch. And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Unlike, well, we started it in that first game, but we were relentless um, and that we could kind of smell blood and, you know, Liverpool are in a real kind of turbulent period of their of, of their season and I guess this clock regime and it was so positive to see Wolves not take a foot off it when they could have easily have got that goal and then been that bit more reserved and to go and get a second one so quickly afterwards I think showed a lot of positivity from our from this group of players that you know don't just stop after that one goal even against a 
you know, a good side on paper and and in practice as well. And it it did surprise me in part how, how poor Liverpool were and seeing some of their games afterwards. I, I'm intrigued to see how Klopp goes about it um, on Wednesday because you're right, it, it's kind of been a bit of a back and forth in terms of, you know, Wolves arguably could have got something out of the first FA Cup game. I think Liverpool... I think Liverpool deserved that within the second second uh, leg. To be fair, yeah, it was a long range strike, but all struggled to really mount any attacking pressure. Obviously, we won three 0 and you know, but by those first two goals, we we then had the opportunity to sit back a little bit more and kind of pick Liverpool off from the counter attack, and that's how we got the third goal. And you know, I, you know, I can understand Klopp's frustration with that. Um, to a degree, um, because Liverpool have got themselves in that situation. So I'm intrigued to see how Klopp goes about it, whether he wants to go for a bit of a blood and thunder approach and, you know, try and test Wolves' nerves. Because, yes, our form's improved in Lopetegui, but our league position still still dictates what teams you are at. And, you know, we are three points off the bottom three. I think it still is. And, you know, how much will he sort of look to pressure Wolves early on? Or, you know, will he see it as a, um, you know, actually we need to make sure we don't do these silly errors because Wolves are now a team who will pick us apart as, as opposed to, you know, six months ago. So, I think tactically it's going to be a very intriguing game because Lopetegui's shown he's got a level of tactical nuance, you know, far superior to his predecessors at Wolves. Um, and he seems to have had Klopp's number so far. Um, but unfortunately, Jurgen Klopp is one of the, you know, is one of the best managers in the league. And I think he can probably just about cope being outmatched once um, if you go by the FA Cup first game. I don't think he'll enjoy, you know, he definitely didn't enjoy it the second time round. And I, it might be me being pessimistic, sorry, but I pessimistic. I struggle to see him setting up a team that will allow that to happen for a third time, you say, in the space of a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because I think plenty of Liverpool fans who've been listening to this actually will probably. Uh, first and foremost, just to preface it, because you have to say, uh, obviously adore Jurgen Klopp, and, and he is, of course, uh, <laughs> one of the world's greatest managers. Now I'm going to criticise the man because he's a human. Um, but yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't been on his uh, hasn't been on his best form this season. And actually, uh, th- that that sort of muddled tactical approach that you you sort of mentioned there a little bit has been a bit of a cause for concern. I think the the compromises that are being made because of the fact that the squad has been left compromised when it comes to Liverpool's midfield and everybody knows it. Uh, I think there's only so many variations you can probably make, to be honest. Um, it's uh, You do see him sort of scratching his, uh, scratching his head as to sort of what the solutions are, because there is no perfect solution. It's almost that Rafa Benitez quote about the blanket and you're pulling the blanket to, uh, up to your neck, but then you're exposing your toes and some of that. And you, you, unless you have a big enough blanket, which is usually a solid squad, you, you, you're always going to leave some of your some of yourself out in the cold. And like actually looking at the performances as well, because it's, it's been an interesting sort of run. Of course, there was that three 0 defeat to Wolves. 
And then some Liverpool fans thought, well, that's the Nadir. You know, they're turning the corner. 2-0 win against Everton, albeit a very poor Everton side, to be honest. And uh, 2-0 win against uh, uh, Newcastle side uh, away to um, away from home. Uh, but again, that was sort of a blitz. And then there's the 10-men factor with the goalkeeper being sent off. And then actually, uh, to be honest, for about 60, 70 minutes, Liverpool being outplayed by 10 men, which was quite quite concerning. Then you have the, the Real Madrid game directly after that, which wasn't uh, wasn't too encouraging. And then the Palace draw, which I have to have to, to say, having watched it, was one of the worst games I've seen for <laughs> for quite a while. So it's 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 a it's a sort of very un um, unconvincing run, shall you say? Like yes, it's two wins and a draw, I suppose. But actually, I'm, I'm yet to be fully fully convinced. Uh, but I, I think you're right, though. How how Klopp lines up is going to be going to be fascinating. I mentioned Liverpool went on that run of two wins after the Wolves' defeat. Uh, when we were previewing that game, we were looking at some of the fixtures following the Liverpool game for Wolves, and it was, it was of course, it was going to be Southampton and Bournemouth and Fulham, uh, like, which we were discussing. Very winnable games, and you thought could potentially be six pointers given sort of, um, well, certainly where Bournemouth and um, Southampton are um, of those three. Just wanted to get your thoughts on on how those games have gone. Obviously, the two two one win over Southampton, uh, the one nil loss to Bournemouth, uh, and then most recently that one one draw with Fulham. I mean, since the Liverpool win, has has form been a little bit uh, patchy? Yeah, I think we are still finding our feet as a as a side, and I guess it's always tricky in a in a way because you've. Um, I guess if you had those three games on paper, ideally you want, you know, five to seven points and, and not lose any of those games. And, you know, if you said you're going to lose one of those games, I'm surprised it was against Bournemouth. Um, but you go from a performance perspective. Now, we we kind of did a bit of a smash and grab against Southampton again because we're down to 10 men for most of, you know, for the majority of the game and kind of hung in there and realised that Southampton are, you know, very much the worst team in this division and managed to, you know, um, open them up in the second half and, you know, beat them by them having a sheer lack of confidence as much as anything else and was just taking a chance. But... Then we followed up with a bit of an inept performance against Bournemouth. And I think that that's a very frustrating result because it felt like walls of old in terms of not really being able to muster much of an attacking threat. But when you go to a Fulham on Friday nights and Fulham are, you know, on paper, not a, a hugely strong team on paper, but they have got a coach who has made them really defensively solid and you know but their form and their form shows them they deserve to be in the position they're in but Wolves it, I, I think it was definitely a draw on uh, overall but Wolves dominated a lot you know that first half it's that's been one of the most dominant periods I've seen Wolves play and ironically that was arguably a better team performance in terms of the game being laid out and against Liverpool where, you know, we almost weren't expecting it the way we actually dominated and controlled the play and still created chances. The frustrating thing was we didn't 
get that second goal when we could. And then half time comes, Silva makes a couple of changes. Lopetegui does and doesn't quite get it right, unfortunately, which isn't, you know, his subs have been really good up until um, arguably Bournemouth and Fulham. And then they get that, uh, you know, a really good goal. And, and, and you know, it was, a, it was a great shot. But I think it's a over the course of those three games, we're going to be inconsistent. But I still look at it as we are still somewhat in that relegation battle or you know I think it's hard to have a battle with about eight teams in it but we are still down there but the fact that we've now got up to a point game and the fact from the last three we've got four points out of three games hmm. still leaves me with enough, you know more than enough positives for if we can continue to play how we did against Fulham and the second half to play against Southampton I'll take the blip against Bournemouth um, because the signs are there that we can, we we will stay up, and there's still plenty of work. There's still plenty of work to do in the summer in terms of making this a competitive team to mount a you know a top half finish yet again. But there's enough quality and enough tactical ability from a coaching perspective to making sure that. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others. On EPL Index, we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Even though we don't necessarily have a decent centre forward at the moment, that we can get enough players in the box and getting enough players around the team to get, you know, to get goals again and, you know, win games because uh, for Fulham's a great example that, you know, if you're only going to score one goal in a game, you're always at risk of potentially drawing. And, you know, I, I, I sort of look back to in that first half and go, well, if we'd have managed to get two got you know, go two up at one point, similar to to what happened against Liverpool, actually, that it changes the dynamic of our team. And that's when we can, you know, bring on the likes of Traore and kind of get, ask different questions of the team. And the fact that we couldn't quite do that and then allowed Fulham back into the game was frustrating. But I don't know. Um, it's been an it's been interesting last three games and say so that, that level of inconsistency you're going to find unfortunately in the you know that bottom half of the table. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, looking at that sort of running games after the Liverpool game, and I think I think that probably was one of the things that was so galling about the Liverpool defeat was that uh, as you discussed, their walls had been struggling to to score, and so the fact that actually two in quick succession and then. In the end, a three 0 win it did feel particularly galling, especially seeing a, a player I like a lot, uh, but not certainly not one of the quickest players in the league in Ruben Neves, 
literally running straight through midfield to score to score the winner there. Um, but goal scoring still remains a a difficulty in, in terms of sort of what you've seen from Lopetegui since he's come in and and, and the changes he's made that um, you think will actually stand you in good stead and actually secure um, safety this season. What have been some of those not sort of noticeable tweaks that he's made, and are there particular players that you think are shining um, under him? Yeah, I think quietly across the team, um, but there's been little changes. I think bringing in so bringing in players has helped, and Wolves have struggled with recruitment over the last couple of seasons and bolstering up the squad and making it making it competitive, but also adding a level of dynamism. So. Having you know, he can almost go from back to front. Bringing Craig Dawson to provide that bit of extra experience has been huge, and it showed against Liverpool. Um, and and that, a goal always helps. Don't get me wrong, but it just feels like it's a, a a really solid, experienced player who's just helping that back line just get through games a bit better. And it's a bit of a shame for Nathan Collins because Collins was showing really good form. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he works his way back into the team. Um, you know whether you know Craig Dawson is just this is a six month stopgap while Collins almost gets to be an understudy for a bit. Um, you know even if it's just till the summer and you know reclaim his space um, place in the team. So that's been really beneficial going into midfield. You know my always my questions is how do you get the best out of Ruben Neves because he's our best player. You should be doing everything you can do to accelerate his game. Um, so the introduction of Mario Lamina has been huge. Having someone who's doing that legwork and allowing Neves to get himself into more open spaces and more advanced positions as well. I think a lot of the time Ruben Neves sees himself as a you know this defensive midfielder and and you know be this deep lying playmaker, which doesn't always bring out the best in him. You want him to get on the ball, and he he his game suits him getting a bit higher up and not being on the um, centre half's toes. So Lamina coming in has allowed him to do that and have someone with a bit of energy about him. Because previously it was let's say him and Martino, or him and Dendonka, and Dendonka and Martino don't have the same energy and pace. So you had ne- Neves doing a lot of that dog, you know, that leg work. Whereas he's now got someone else he can rely on for it. And it's meant that uh, Mateus Nunes has been able to shift um, slightly further left, which is where he played a lot of his time at Sporting Lisbon. So that's kind of quietly getting more out of him in a more natural position as well. And there's been investment in forward players as well. Sarabia scored his first goal against Fulham. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he pushes on a wall shirt. He's a more, again, a slight change in how we've, done transfers up until recently the fact that he is 30 years old we don't tend to sign players who are who are you know that experienced in a way and um you know a slightly interesting signing with Mateus Kuna um which is a loan with an obligation to buy about 40 million in the summer and that obligate you know that was set up you know pre-new years when we're still bottom of the league I think so it was a big big gamble and now he has not scored yet, which I think is a little bit of a red flag. But you can see what he's bringing to the team in terms of his additional movement up front. And, you know, he seems to be someone who do incredibly well next to a good number nine, 
which is the only thing we we lack. And that's kind of was has been slightly telling the last few games. Jimenez played okay against Fulham, but we do miss a a decent centre central reference in a striker. Um, but in terms of kind of I guess individuals who are doing well within those additions, Neves again he seems to have found another ceiling to his game, um, which is you know a, a glowing testament to how good a player he is, and especially after having a underwhelming World Cup. I think he's found his form again in a wall shirt, which is which is really positive and hopefully that continues. And I think um a player who deserves a, a, a special mention who's my other match against Fulham is our fullback Hugo Bueno, who's pretty much out muscled Ryan Eight Nori for the starting spot and it has been exceptional in providing that width, especially with Mateus Nunes playing almost kind of semi in front of him but kind of cutting inside a lot he's giving this player who's got exceptional crossing ability and this you know license to roam forward for you know the length of the the left flank of a football pitch and it seems to really suit him as well as being able to do you know all the basic defensive work as well so definitely those are a couple of players who I think have really uh really up the past few weeks have you been surprised by sort of how Matthias Nunes has been used I mean I, th- I think it's definitely, I mean, Liverpool fans are, have been watching this player like <laughs> a little bit more, obviously, since some of those links um, emerged between between the player and, and the club. In still what remains a very bizarre um, situation. But like the the fact that he's now the second manager in a row who's sort of moved him directly out of you know, central mid- midfield, is, is, is that just more a testament to the quality that you've got in central midfield? Or is it has he actually proved to be more effective when he's been pushed out into wider areas? I think he's probably more effective playing on the left of the midfield three. I do think that suits his, that does right. suit his game more. Um, it, you know, he has the ability to kind of drift around a little bit in that position. I think when um, we had, you know, inter- an interim manager, a caretaker manager in Steve Davis, he almost tried to play him as a, almost as a number 10, which did not suit his game. He likes to get the ball a bit deeper. Um, and I think he he's someone who enjoys actually getting the ball in the mid, middle of the park and, you know, being able to, you know, create create things with it and drive the play forward. And I think it's kind of worked having Neves and Nunes almost on either side who have got that ability to get up and down the pitch a little bit more in slightly different ways. Um, and still having that responsibility to muck in as well. Um, but the only downside when playing slightly further on the left sometimes, and I think depending on how walls are in formation, you know, or, or, you know, in and out of possession, sometimes he ends up playing almost left as a, almost a 4-4-2 essentially, um, happens sometimes, which again can suit him really well. But I think he does tire as well, something I've kind of noticed you don't seem to do an awful lot in terms of having a strong influence on the game after, you know, 60th, 70th minute, which might might be one of those things that comes with time playing in a different league as well. Um, and we've seen glimpses of him at Wolves um, in terms of what he can do. And if he could string those moments into a full, you know, 70, 80 minutes and over a course of a couple of games, then there's no telling what he can do. 
Um, it's just a question of, you know, how much Wolves focus the attacks around him and how much of a play goes through him or goes through other players. I mean, the Fulham goal is a great example and it almost will go and miss in terms of his work within the goal because he provided the assist for the assist. But the ball he played into Jimenez isn't a, it's probably a ball that very few other players in this Wolves team would be able to do. So I'd be, I'd be intrigued to see what he does in, if, if he ends up going to Liverpool, which I think is probably the plan at some point. But he also still needs to, I think, he's still, for me anyway, he still has got a lot to prove in this division before I think Liverpool would take the chance on him because, you know, we'll sign him for a hefty fee. And I, I think in the, in the January transfer window, Liverpool were linked with him again. And, you know, I, I'd be surprised if Wolves don't want a higher market than what I think was offering. I think, you know, Wolves signed him for about 40 million. And, you know, I think Wolves would have it in their heads. They want to sell him for 50 to 60 just, just because that's, you know, what you'd expect to sell a midfielder in Premier League who's who's in good form and has got proven quality. So it'll be a tricky one to see how much he toughs it out. Hopefully this season's almost a bit of a write-off for Wolves and and players like that who are quote-unquote project players and Wolves are that stepping stone because, you know, he's not necessarily shown everything he can do, nor is the club. So I think if they can kind of reconcile that and push on next year and, and you know, both, you know, both club and player can improve. I think there's a, I think there's one hell of a player there. And so just sort of hypothetically presuming that the player does stay in, uh, not to make you dwell on, on other potentially sad things as well, but I, I, I had seen rumors that, uh, um, that there is an expectation that perhaps Neves will will finally move on at, at the end of the season. Uh, I, I wonder how that that influences what you think the the priority should be because you know, naturally it's sort of a a goal scorer, um, a number nine that fits with the with the team and the and the coach's plans uh, would would strike me as being a very obvious priority. But where else do you think this team would need to be reinforced uh, if Lobotegui is going to be able to take the team forward? Uh, definitely, definitely up front. Uh, we we are crying out for a striker. Whether you know, I think Diego Costa was always a stopgap because of because of injuries, and you know he's shown that he clearly isn't at, at the goal scoring level in the Premier League anymore. Raúl Jiménez, you know everything he's gone through, and you know he has the love and support of everyone in Wolverhampton and the club and the city. But it's very clear now, a couple of years on, that he is not the same player, unfortunately, and a business decision needs to be made. Um, and you know he 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 deserves a, a true send off before his decline gets any further, in my opinion. We do have Fabio Silva out on loan, who had a really strong spell for the first half of the season, and elect and he's um, you know I think he scored two and two for PSV. Um, so far during his spell there. So potentially we've got we we've got a ready made striker who can come in and be that guy for Wolves. Um and we've also got Sasa Kladnich who managed to get injured within forty minutes of his 
debut and out for the season, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a bit of a mute point. So all in all, you look at those places, and well, we're still, there's still only a potential for goals from kind of one slash two out of those players. So there's definitely needs to be reinforcements and, and, and a level of quality within there. Um, and potentially on those wide areas as uh, on those wide areas as well, depending on which players get shuffled about as well, and maybe um, tweaking the right back as well. Nelson Smedo, um I think his contract—he's got a contract um, extension trigger was about to be set, but you know there's no one necessarily pushing him for a space anymore. In the same way, Johnny's really struggled to mount a you know a competitive place since his injury troubles as well, and that that that's frustrating and upsetting in itself. Um, so hopefully, if um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Wolves invest in a similar to a Hugo Bueno, but on the right hand side, who's going to really kind of push Samedo to make sure he stays in form as well. Um, so still, lot, there's still lots of areas that need improvement, and you know, even centre half, we, we've got three senior centre halves and Toti Gomez, who who has never disgraced himself in a wall shirt, Toti Gomez, but. He's very much the fourth choice centre half for me, and you know, will he push Max Kilman to be the best player that he can be? Will he be able to push Nathan Collins to be the best player he can be? And that that's where I have question marks over, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And you know, if, if we've got a player who's got great, you know, same age but has greater potential, who could you know outmuscle Max Kilman, let's say, and you know, Max Kilman then gets sold because he can't get in the space. Well, that's kind of a competitive competitiveness that you want in a football mm. squad for me. And it's, it's always a tricky balance um, to, to deal with that. But I don't know. There's just a couple of those little areas where we've had players who have played two, three seasons. Um, we could just do with making sure that they've got somebody who's pushing them that little bit further. Um, to go and you know we're, we're going to lose Martino most likely in the summer as well but hopefully between the likes of Nunes, um, João Gomez who came in in the January transfer window and also um, Barbecue Traore as well who's currently out injured as well we, we might have some replacements with him there for him already so we've we've got the good foundations of the team here it just, it just needs that um, level of quality up front to make sure we're we're, we're scoring I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, 
making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. No, of course. I think I think that's been the case for a while now, hasn't it? That's been the missing piece. And sad to see that Jimenez hasn't been able to, you know, return to the same sort of form that we saw him showing prior to the injury. But I suppose it's not altogether surprising either. So I think you're right there. I think there needs to be a an arrangement reached so that he can leave and in probably the best way possible without there without there being any animosity towards him. I think that's um, wouldn't be wouldn't be fair for him. And then I suppose j- just as we wrap things up, then I, I mean, looking at the fixture itself, we talked about the best of four series. This being the final game, I'm pretty sure this is the final time we play each other this season. Uh, let's see if if anything changes. Uh, but like, this is clearly you know a Liverpool side that is. Uh, um, far, far weakened, low in confidence, um, tactically cluttered, muddled, um, and actually, I think um, probably one of the more recent developments as well is, I think it seems pretty obvious that the large numbers of the squad are aware of those deficiencies and the fact that the only way, way in which you're probably going to fix them is through recruitment. So, yeah, they they almost look as as checked out as, as some of the fan base probably are at some points. Um, in, in in some of these recent games that we've seen, so it's a side that you do question the level of the level of commitment there. If things do get a bit tough and you and have to uh, push against adversity, uh, knowing all that, and on the back of that win um, at home against Liverpool, surely Julian Lopetegui is coming into this game and thinking that there's a you know, a real chance to to leave with three points. Yeah, I think. Um... Uh, even prior to the Liverpool game, I, I I know there seemed to be a mentality shift amongst the squad and, 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 and the fans as well. I like to think where I'm going to the games expecting we can get a result again. And that 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 feeling we had almost into Nuno and parts into Bruno Large maybe, but definitely into Nuno in that first season and second season where it didn't matter who we were against. We could be playing Man City. We could be playing Liverpool. And you go go into the game and think, you know what? It doesn't have to be a case of the, you know, the, the better team on paper has to get it all wrong and we need to get it all right. The gap of the golf is not that big. And it feels like Lopetegui has made rules competitive again. And that's simply all you can kind of ask for as a fan, isn't it? To, to actually know that week in, week out, this team's actually going to put in a level of performance. Um, because, you know, that, that, that's kind of what you turn, that's what you pay your money for. That's why you sort of turn up and you, you tune in week in, week out. Um, so, you know, just on a base layer, um, you know, I think Wolves have got a level of confidence that we just did not have six months ago um, at the start of the season, which just was not a team. It was mentally and physically prepared to play football matches in the Premier League, unfortunately. Um, Liverpool specifically, you know, Lopetegui is a, you know, an internationally regarded um, coach. And it's frankly, it's showing for me in terms of what he does with the players, the tactical changes he makes. So it's not quite working. He makes early and aggressive substitutes. Um, the way he sets his teams to press in in certain ways, and 
you know, I, I think to a degree, I, um, Klopp underestimated him for his games because even that, even in the um, you know that first game in the FA Cup, and as, as mentioned, you know, there's a couple of there's an occasion before Allison, you know, gifted a goal where there's a bit of sloppiness from the back and Moore's nearly pounced and. No, don't get me wrong, it's, it's poor from Liverpool. And, you know, when you're out of form and you're out of luck, those things happen to you. But bad teams don't score those goals. Like that, that Guedes goal for me, because you don't get the players forward, you don't go in the right positions, you don't do that extra bit of legwork to, you know, make sure you're closing down the goalkeeper in that, in that manner. Um, you know, it, you know if that gate, if that game was under Steve Davis or was two months prior for the World Cup Allison would have got away with it um, so there's, there's things for me from a from that perspective that Lopetegui's getting right and you know he has seemed to have kind of got it right very specifically against Liverpool as well mm. so you know I think Wolves has definitely got a, a case to be optimistic um, so, what and, sort of approach would you expect to see? Do you think, do you think he's going to try and be like more aggressive, or is it going to be a case of sitting and then trying to counter and and, and pounce on Liverpool that way? Because they've obviously they've found it hard to deal with transition um, this season. I I still personally look to take that aggressive approach with Liverpool um, because they are still up and down. And don't get me wrong, you know the um, it's tricky because you know that Real Madrid games is an interesting. You know, microcosm into Liverpool in a way because actually you started very strongly in that game as opposed to how Wolves has dealt with you um, and, and kind of gone about it. And I know I, I sort of think that actually if you've got a side who is a bit down on the look, you don't. I don't want to give Liverpool time to settle into a game. You want to make it very difficult for them very early on, in my opinion. Um, but the fortunate thing is, I guess that. Wolves have those players who, you know, are, are really good on those on, on, on the counter attack and in transition. And, you know, if Liverpool do commit that one too many players forward, if Wolves can, you know, hold their nerve, can can exploit gaps again. You know, the third goal um that Wolves scored against Liverpool is a great example of this. And, you know, if the ball wasn't won you know, terribly deep into Wolves half. It was still in like the middle third of the pitch when, you know, Martinho won the ball back eventually. But because a couple, you know, but um a midfield I can't remember which centre half Liverpool had stepped out, all of a sudden there was just these huge gaps for, you know, Wolves had for players on the pitch like Traore, who, you know, whatever people say about him, will you know, he can get past the last defender if he needs to. And, you know, all of a sudden Wolves had that breakaway. Um, so, personally, for me, I, I'd like to see Wolves start off on the front foot and really kind of press Liverpool into you know making those silly mistakes. And but I'm also mindful if that's not quite working or if, or if the Liverpool that we've all come to kind of know and fear over the last couple of years, we've got the players on the pitch who have got the mentality to you know drop that five ten yards further back and make and make a wall as it were and. Um, you know, try and pick them off a different way. Yeah, I think it's got the potential to be a number of different kinds of games, but I can I can also see a game similar to that nil nil against uh, Crystal Palace, which um, which is good for my motivation levels. To be honest, <laughs> I think it was, <laughs> I think it was uh, pretty tough watch. And um, yeah, I think 
you, you keep expecting a response from from Liverpool, but it is, I think, actually, it's getting to that stage now where I'm probably starting more to look. I have to admit, looking more towards just how many games are left, uh, which is not a good place to be in, uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah, such is the way. But anyway, Rich, I mean, thank you for for coming on and um, you know for working with me. Uh, quite hard to actually find something to talk about considering how often these sides have played each other uh, in recent weeks. So we we did manage to find a way through. Um, I suppose and just the very last question, I mean, what are your uh, final expectations for sort of what where Wolves will end up this season? It's, it sounds like you're more confident of of safety now after having a few more weeks to to judge Lopetegui by, but um, sort of what's the impression you think amongst the fan base? Yeah, I think... Um... Still half an eye on, you know, what's behind us in the table. But in fact, we are, you know, from where we started under Lopetegui to where we are now. I think if that if that is your barometer, then, you know, we're exceeding expectations, truly, in my opinion. Um, the, the thing, the only thing that we do need to, it's, it's, it, it, it's silly when you sort of say, the thing that we need to keep our eye on is, yeah, making sure we beat the right teams, unfortunately. And don't get me wrong, eight great beating Liverpool three nil. Um, but for me, you've also got to make sure that you know you beat Bournemouth because if we'd have lost Liverpool in that game, beating Bournemouth, that puts Bournemouth back onto what eighteen points, and that's that's the difference. That you know kind of compounds them you know, to be six points behind us in the table instead of three. So that's the only only slight caveat um, I, I kind of have. But I, I know I've watched us play, you know, in recent weeks. I've seen us play Everton. I've seen us play Bournemouth, Southampton, um, West Ham. Um, and we've got Leeds in a couple of weeks' time. We've seen Forest, we've played in the Cup. Uh, you know, these are all teams that, I think Wolves are the better van and we'll finish higher van in the table. Um, quite quite simply. So hmm. yeah, still optimistic. I, I I struggle to see us, you know, finishing higher than twelfth, let's say. But I think if we can finish thirteenth or fourteenth, it's a respectable position to end the in the campaign on considering the first, you know, sixteen, fifteen games of the season. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. Well, thanks again, Rich. Really appreciate you coming on. Pleasure. Uh, great to speak to you. Uh, and just to wrap things up here, obviously, thank you very much to, to all the listeners of of Rival Recon who've, who've tuned in week in, week out. Despite things uh, um, turning out to be Groundhog Day quite a lot of times, not not just playing the same teams, but also seeing the same performances uh, and, same, and same results as well. Um, hopefully that's going to change soon as well and uh, there will be another Rival Recon episode uh, fairly quickly now because the the games do come th- thick and fast over this this patch and of course there is uh, the small matter of Liverpool versus Manchester United on Sunday to to contend with as well so there'll be a pod ahead of that game just trying to assess how Liverpool go into it uh, I think in a remarkable place considering if you think about where United started this season Liverpool going into that game firmly as the underdogs and United coming fresh off that Carabao Cup uh, victory as well, so it's likely to be a tough, tough day uh, for for Liverpool to, to to plan for. But there'll be a pot ahead of that game, uh, so do tune in uh, then. That'll be out uh, probably on Friday, but ahead of the game on Sunday. 
And then there'll be another rival recon uh, a few more days after that, ahead of the Bournemouth game on Saturday the 11th. But between now and then, do check out all the other great content on Anvil Index Pro. And yeah, we'll see you again ahead of the Man United game. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.